Hi, you are listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, I'm not sure how your your New Year's, you know, has gone. But like, I think when we go towards New Year's, a lot of times we we are very hopeful. Like, 2019, I'm gonna like change my life. It's gonna be great. Um, I'm gonna start, you know, all new. You know, and, and you make like these plans, right? And, and then you kind of, you're past, and you're like, what happened? Like, oh, I just sort of stumbled into it. So, so you made your plans, and I think what I love about Christmas is all the nice things, like the music and the, the lattes, which, don't judge me for it. You, some of you guys are probably pretty weird, and you drink eggnog, so I'm just saying. Um, but you have like the drinks and you have the music and you have the lights and you're every other day, if you're me, at the snowflake lane. <laughs> and like, so, so you have these things that are really kind of like nice and inspirational and it, normally people are more kind around Christmas. Would you agree? I think more people are more inclined to be more giving, more kind, um, not when it comes to traffic, but for the most part, <laughs> right? Like people are more inclined to do that. And then you have this thing where you're like, okay, Christmas is over, and then you go towards New Year's. And then you're like, okay, well, it's just sort of a scramble between, you know, and then you probably visited your parents, and you had turkey roast, and then they roasted you, right? Like, about either being single or, like, something they had said that kind of stuck with you, and you're still trying to recover from that. And you're like, no, next year I'll be better. You'll see. Like, when I come back to next Thanksgiving, I will be different, right? And... Is it just me that I'm feeling this? Like, I try not to use the pulpit for venting, but I'm just saying. Um, So going towards New Year's, you're like, okay, well, I'm trying to do, like, all these resolutions. And then New Year's happens, and you're excited for it. And then New Year's happens, and you spend the whole night, you know, and and you hang out. uh, And the next day, you're kind of, like, half asleep, and you literally just kind of stumble into New Year's because you're, like drained and you wake up at 4 a.m. at 4 p.m. you're like what's going on like where's my life about you some of you probably had a hangover because you hung over <laughs> past 5 a.m. um that's what a hangover is right no it's not okay never mind <laughs> no some of what I'm trying to say is some of you guys spend New Year's not exactly in the best of circumstances is what I'm trying to say Right, and you sort of just stumbled into it, and then the next few days you're like, "Oh yeah, resolutions. I got, I gotta clean up my life. Like I gotta change my life." You sort of just kind of stumbled into it, and you're like trying to like, kind of make things, trying to make order out of out of chaos, right? You're like, "Okay, resolutions, those things. Uh, this year, I'm gonna go to the gym, and and this year I'm gonna like, like eat better." And you make all these resolutions, and how are they working out for you? But have you ever wondered why resolutions don't really work? Have you ever wondered that? You see, in my opinion, resolutions are not really the answer. Okay, they're not really bad. But if you're hoping resolutions change your life, probably won't. You know why? Because they're rooted in the wrong things. They're rooted either in fear or pride. I have to change my life because if I don't get cleaned up, I'll never do this or that or that or that. Or my parents will never think this. And so a lot of it is rooted in fear. And that doesn't lead to anything good. 
Or if you have, if you kind of know how to pull the levers to make money or uh, have experienced some success on the other hand, right? Then your resolutions become a point of pride. We're like, oh yeah, well, I made this much. This I want to see how much money I can make next year. And this starts to create an appetite which produces more pride, which with every single... Now, accomplishments are not bad. That's what we're hoping for. Because your dreams without goals is just that, dreams. You have to have goals in place. You have to have milestones by which you kind of move through life, right? And then when you get to the next milestone, that's a point to be celebrated. But often, we sort of start to boast in our successes, and that creates even a more of a desire to be even more successful. And if you're on, on social media, then more followers. And if you're in business, more money. And you're constantly in this, in this chase to... Because you know, happiness is just around the corner. If, it could just, if I could just get that new job, that's going to make me happy. And some of you, and some of like, including me, you get a job and you come here and you testify of how God is so good to you, that you got a job that is so good. Everyone's so wonderful the first three days. They're wonderful. And by the third month, you're like, that's not a blessing. That's a curse. That's not a good job. I don't know what I was thinking about this. And you realize that what you've put your hope in has just failed you. And you went and you bought that new car, then that comes with payments, and you probably spend more taxes, more on taxes than if you would have to buy, buy a car from like 2005, for example. But who does that, right? Like, and you're constantly like in debt, and, and you're trying to think, well, but I think this is going to make me happy. And then it lasts for what? Three hours, three days, maybe. And, and you think that my, by, by biting into the same thing that you've been doing, if, if this car that I spent 30 grand on it made me happy for three weeks, then maybe if I spend 60 grand on it, well, it's going to make me happy for maybe six weeks. Right? It's a broken mentality. It doesn't really work. We're trying to fix things with things that don't really fix things. Sorry to be really redundant here. You, you've had before times where you tried to fix things with the wrong tool. How did that work out? <laughs> Uh, I remember, you guys probably heard the story, but I remember I was driving my, my, my car, and you know how the newer cars, they, they, even not the newer cars, like 2001, I think, they introduced where you control the volume on your steering wheel, right? You know what I'm talking about. So I had a friend of mine who, I used to go to choir. I know it's really, like, you don't believe that right now, but like, I used to go to choir, okay? Um, and so my, my friend, or my, my best friend's like sister, which was also my friend, um, we got in the car and we're going to choir. And you know how when you get out of choir, you just like to sing? <laughs> well, she wanted to sing. I didn't. Um, so she started to sing pretty loud in the car. And I'm thinking, I had one of those moments, um, the, the brunette moments, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those moments, um, where I'm like sitting in the car and she's singing really loud. And for some reason, I thought that's the radio. So I'm trying to make this thing work, and I'm like, this is not, this volume button does not work. Because that was not the radio, that was her singing. <laughs> so the whole time I'm trying to do this, and it's like, it, it, it doesn't work. Another time I did this, kind of the same moment, where I had one of these moments, is I was working construction, I was working a, with a chop saw, and this chop saw is a, is a thing that spins, and then you cut wood with it, you guys know, right? And then you can actually do angles, you know what I'm talking about? Um, so you have to change the angle. So I'm trying to change the angle, but I have no idea how to do it. And it's not my chop saw, it's actually my friend's. And I'm taking a rubber mallet, and I just keep on hitting it, <laughs> right? 
And this guy comes across, like, comes around the corner, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm trying to change the angle. And he's like, dude. He comes over, picks it up, like, and just moves the angle and sets it down. He's like, this is how you do it. Well, I felt really awkward and dumb, to say the least. And if you serve in this church, and if you're around me, I have a lot of these moments. And a lot of you, like, take videos of it, and they... <laughs> it's not good. Um, what I'm trying to say is, in spiritual life, sometimes we do that. We take a rubber hammer, a hammer and we're trying to fix our lives when it's, that's not what's required. We're trying to, to think that if we get this or that or that, it's going to make us happy, and it just doesn't work. So I want to give you some things that does work. I want to give you at least four points that if you understand them, and you might think, well, Slavik, that's not really a step. Like, that's not really like, how do I apply this practically? Because you see, I think the biggest problem that we have is not necessarily that we're not doing the right things or the right steps. I just think that a lot of times we don't know who we are. I mean, you've had probably even this New Year's where somebody that you were really good friends with and they came up to you and you're like, and, and, and they start talking and there's, they're talking to another person. They're like, yeah, what time are we leaving? And you're like, whoa, wait, where are you guys going? Like, oh, um, you know, just some of our friends, um, you know, we're doing like, uh, like a cabin thing. I, you know, like, do you, do you want to come? Uh, because if you want to come, I mean, you can come. And you're like, that's not exactly an invitation. You know, like, I thought we're homies. Like, I thought this doesn't happen to me. So, like, just think I'm not set on this course here. <laughs> Um, but you know what I'm talking about? And you feel like really left out. And you're like, wait a second. Like, I thought we're friends. Why are you planning with other people without inviting me? Right? So you kind of feel a bit betrayed. Where if somebody says anything that doesn't like kind of suit what you think they should say about you, automatically a whole bunch of insecurities just sort of kind of come up front. Like, you always do this. Like, what kind of friend are you anyway? Like, you always say that kind of stuff. It's pretty dumb, you know? Like, you should really think about what you say next time. And, and a whole bunch of insecurities, that friend is just like, bro, we're just talking about Taco Bell. Like, that's where we're planning on going. And like, you, do you want to come? Like, you know? And here you made such a big scene out of nothing. Why? Because you had all these other insecurities. And the moment somebody like, pushed on that like little like like wound it started to unravel because you didn't really felt secure in that friendship at the end of the day i think what we really look for is to people to tell us that you are loved you are accepted i care about you and the moment someone threatens that is when we feel threatened is the moment we start thinking and, and i know this is kind of convoluted a little bit but just just stick with me for a second here I think a lot of times we do things that are completely unreasonable because of us not understanding what kind of place of privilege Christ has pulled you into. I think a lot of times we go and go off of people because we are so insecure in who we are in Christ. And my hope is that if tonight I can give you a glimpse of who you are in Christ and what he has done for you, then you can go with a little bit of a you know, bounce in your step saying like, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't have friends. I think one of my, my loneliest moments in life was when I came here and I didn't speak any English. And I couldn't make any friends because I didn't speak any English. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. But 
it was the weirdest year of my life where I was like, I, I, this is, I went from being the president of my class in my, my, my old country, and I, I came here, and I'm like, I don't know anybody. I can't even talk to anyone. And for some reason, I thought my family hated me. So I don't know, go figure that one out because I have a pretty awesome family. But it was the enemy prying on all those insecurities. And like, I thought all my brothers, I have, you know, well, seven, six siblings. I should know that better. Like, and, and my parents, and for some reason I thought, you know, and that was the most lonely year of my life. And, and I remember what the good thing that came out of that is that I learned how to rely on Christ when friends were not around. And I was like, I was desperate for a mentor. And I think a lot of you, like, I, I had this week a whole bunch of calls. Like, hey, could you, could you mentor me? And I'm like, uh, no, sorry. Like, and, and like, I'm sorry to say this in the back. Like, I just don't have enough time to mentor. Every, and, and I wish that I did. But I'm not trying to be mean. All I'm saying is that a lot of times we look to be mentored, but we're not okay with mentoring others. And I remember at 17 years old, I was like, man, I really want a mentor. I, I want at least a friend. That would be nice, you know? And then I remember just really seeking the Lord, and the Lord spoke to me and says, can you become the person that you wish you have as a mentor for other people? And in the place of brokenness, can you take that and start using that and, and find yourself in me and then use that as a testimony? A lot of people will start to kind of sympathize with that. So I want to tell you that if you find yourself in who you are in Christ, then all the other things that you need to do, that you know, you, if you're an administrator here, like you have your to-do list, and you like write it just to cross it off. Like you, you, you know what I'm talking about. You write it just to like cross it off. You know, you, you've done it already. You don't have to put it on the to-do list. You know? Why? Because that's just ha- kind of how you work, and that's totally fine. And if you're like creative, if you're like a musician, sorry, musicians, you're kind of like, to-do list? What is that? Like, I just go with the spirit, bro. Like, 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 like and that's kind of how you work, right? And, and I think the, the, the thing here is not to add more to your to-do list or to be more inspirational. To do, the, the, the thing here is to find yourself who we are in Christ. And I know this is over, like, driven this point at home, but, like, I'm trying to get you to understand. And a few things I want to mention. The first thing that I want you to understand is the beauty and the miracle that you are. Now, I know it sounds a lot like prosperity gospel right now, but just hold, just hold off a second here. Understand the miracle that you have right now that you're still breathing. Maybe you're not one of those people that, like, you wake up in the morning, thank you, Jesus, for this breath. I, uh, I so adore you. Blessed be your name. Because if you're one of those people, your roommates probably love you, right? Like, right? like you know what I'm talking about? Those people. Most of us, we wake up in the morning, you're like, where are my socks off? Like, like where, where are my socks at? Because I can't find one, but where's the other one? And you're late, and you're like, what's going on? But understand that the very fact that you woke up, uh, woke up, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hope that Jesus wokes you up. Um, the, the very fact that you woke up, the very fact that you woke up, you woke up, woke up. <laughs> I am getting so trippy. Um, it's a miracle in itself. I, I don't know the, 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 the vehicle that you traveled in. Maybe you traveled in a really, really broken family, and maybe things were done to you and the things that you've done that maybe you're ashamed of. And, and it's really hard to see the beauty behind that, but there's an amazing psalm, that, that, and there's this, this beautiful line that for those who mourn in Zion, God is speaking to Israel and says, I'll give them you know, beauty for ashes. 
You see, the most beautiful moments in your life are not necessarily the ones where you're like, I am so rich. Like normally when somebody is rich, go on YouTube, there's few of them, YouTubers that are like, the whole YouTube is about, look how rich I am. And people don't, read their comments. People hate them. They're like, you're a spoiled brat. And literally comment after comment after comment. The most inspirational and beautiful moments are people who are running a race when they have no legs. People that, that, that just went through the, the grim of the, of the situations and, and went through the mud. Uh, there's a quote, um, I think her name is Elizabeth, don't quote me on that. Um, she says that beautiful people don't just happen. Beautiful people are those who know disappointment, no pain, no discomfort, and come through all that, and they have a story to tell, and they can come alongside one and say, uh, somebody else and say, hey, I know what you're going through, I went through that, and let me show you where I found hope. That is beautiful. So, so I want you to realize the miracle that you are, the very fact that you're here, that a lot of things had to come in place. The very fact that you have more than one friend, and you, if you don't have friends, you're in the right place. We'd love to be your friend. <laughs> Shameless plug in there. You should come. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this, is that if you are going through a, a lot of difficulties, understand that there's, there's beauty hidden and those difficulties. One day, no matter what you're going through, no matter the, the circumstances, one day you'll go back and say, but, it, but God, pull me out of the mud. And the only reason that I can testify to this is because what he's done in my life. Because this is why it's so important. Please don't miss this. Please do not miss this. The reason it's important to you, for you to realize that you're a miracle and there's beautiful moments is to be thankful. The number one thing that will lead you into sin is discontent. When you cannot count your blessing, when you're constantly dissatisfied, Satan will, will get a hold of that like nothing else. The reason you thought that that sin will satisfy you is because you thought God is holding off on something. And God is saying, hey, I put boundaries in your life because I want you to have freedom because there are certain things in your life that can be extremely destructive. The, the, imagine music with no boundaries. Imagine music with no notes or any kind of order. Imagine everyone get up here and be like, oh, I just feel a different song today, so I'm just going to play it. And, and if I just, like, you guys can play your own chords. I don't care. Like, I'm going to play mine. Imagine the chaos that that would entail. But then I mentioned last Sunday, but then you have someone that understands the boundaries and the notes and all the things about music, and they start to flourish within that freedom that is given there, and they can close their eyes, and they can play the piano, and, and you're like, how? And you can pray at the same time. Why? Because they understood the boundaries. Because those boundaries are not there to destroy you. They're there to make sure you don't run under a truck. And I think a lot of times we run to sin because we feel, I mean, think of the first sin in itself. Why did they sin? Because they thought, you know, Satan came along like, hey, you think you have all cool, but see, if you knew what is right and wrong and you could decide, it on, your, you could decide on your own, then you can be like God. Think about that. And he sowed discontentment. Now, 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 if Adam and Eve could look back and say, hey, no, you know what? I am so thankful. God is beautiful. I am enjoying this relationship. So 
A lot of times, guys, please understand, if you don't get up in the morning, I'm not asking you to go and start tomorrow morning and be like, hey guys, I love you, everyone. I, I am so excited to be alive. Don't be weird like that. But like, <laughs> but if you start to actually sit down and say, God, I, I just want to take a moment and thank you for what you've done in my life. God, I want to exalt you for all the things that you've pulled me through. God, you've been faithful. God, I want to, because you know what's going to happen? When you start to be thankful, it leads you to worship. It gives you an understanding of how good God is. And you start to find yourself in Christ. And you're like, I don't have to go anywhere else. The best antidote towards sin is to be satisfied in Christ. The best antidote to sin is to be satisfied in Christ. And you run to sin because you think sin will give you something that God is holding off from you. And how's that working out for us? I always say, bring this example. It's like, you know, the pills you take for a headache. And it's like, you know, side effects, diarrhea. And you're like, uh, nah, I think I'll take the headache. Like, I think I'm good. Where like, if you take like, I used to have uh, nervous, uh, nervous problems, uh, nerve problems, <laughs> that too. Um, <laughs> and, and they prescribed me this medication. And, and, and then I'm like, okay, before I'm going to take this, because this is pretty strong stuff, right? I'm going to go and do it. And like, I go on Wikipedia, which is the most reliable source I need online. <laughs> That's not, um, and it says suicide, suicide, suicide. I'm like, no, nah, I think I'm good. <laughs> I literally did not take any of those med- like any of that medicine. I'm like, I think I'm I'm cool with my problem. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's that. That's what sin does. Take it for fun, and then all the side effects with it. No, I think we need to redefine the idea of what fun is. And John 10.10 10 makes it very clear. I came to give you life and life to the full. That sounds pretty fun to me. That is what we need to run to. That is what we should run to. That is him. Being thankful is going to lead you to worship. And the second point uh, you should know, and I think it's really important to, to really kind of get a, get a hang uh, But before I want to read that, I want to just um, kind of still read that passage for the last point. In James 1, 16, we didn't read this, but it says this, So don't be misled, my brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down uh, from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving his true word. Or, um, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. There's a lot in here, and I'm going to try to do really quick, but what he's saying is, don't be misled, don't be deceived. Everything that is good, every pleasure comes from him. And the moment you start listening to the enemy, and the moment the enemy sells you an apple that's made out of wax that looks better, but tastes like wax, this is where you have to say, no, what God has offered when it comes to you know, food, when it comes to sex, when it comes to any of the things that God, any pleasure when it comes to, you know, hanging out, find yourself in Him. Go to the actual pleasure, not to the counterfeit. Because He goes on to say that He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Look, the pleasure that God gives is not like, oh, is that from God or is not from God? You know it's from God because it's the right thing. You have within yourself the Holy Spirit that tells you, hey, take left. Why do I go left to the right? You get the point. Take left, take right, right? Like the Holy Spirit leads you. 
He never cast a, sh- uh, a shifting shadow. And the last point of this is that, that you are God's prized possession. That's why I think we are a miracle that we're alive. Uh, Proverbs says they, you're better to be a, 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 a dog that's alive than a dead lion. Right? Like, we're alive. We can change things. We can come to him. That's the miracle of being, you know, and in, in, in understanding that, look, this is not it. This is not what the enemy is giving me is just a counterfeit. And the second thing I want to mention is that you're a mess. I know it's very depressing, but we have to talk about that. You're broken. You were born in sin, and you were shaped in iniquity. And if you wonder why you have some really weird tendencies, just like me, it's because you were born in sin. I mean, who taught your nephew how to lie? At two. I'm like, you, you speak? Wow. And the first thing is a lie. That's great. We're making progress here. Right? You were born in sin, and then you were shaped in iniquity. And you, maybe the family that you were shaped in was not exactly the most holy family. Maybe you know, some of you, I know for a fact, there's been people in this place that maybe you're raped, molested, or you were physically abused or emotionally abused. I know that, because that's what statistics tell us. Got quiet, really, really quiet up in here. I'm just telling you to understand that we are a mess. Humanity is a mess. This is not something that, and why is that important to understand? It's important to understand because unless we understand that we are broken, we're not going to actually look for a place to be healed. Understanding our true condition leads us to repentance, is what I'm saying. And if if we want deliverance, we have to seek repentance. We can't just look at things that are broken and say, uh, like we, we, we can't do that. So, so, I mean, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in like, literally in, in like 15 seconds. He's going to bring to your mind right now your brokenness. The things that were done to you were the things that maybe you've done and you can not still get over it. Understand that this is serious. And unless you actually choose to say, I will seek healing and restoration, I will go to God in repentance, look, things won't change. Look, if I had a friend and I had a fight, think Edward, for example, he'll be okay with this, right? We had a fight and it's always going to be weird between us unless we actually talk about it. Unless we say, would you forgive me? And I'm going to forgive you. We will have to seek repentance. We will have to seek forgiveness and restoration. And a lot of times we miss it because we seek forgiveness from God, but we don't seek forgiveness from other people. And that's a problem. Because you have to understand this. Guys, like you have to understand this is that whatever you've done, it's not just against God, it's also against another person. Uh, I've, I've said this story before of Vladimir Prosky, like he used to beat up people in school. I mean, you shouldn't do that for fun for, or for anything. But like when he came to Christ, he went to the same person he beat up and he's just like, and this guy's just like, are you going to like hit me and stuff? And he looked at him, bro, like I just want to tell you that I met Jesus and what I've done to you is wrong. And would you forgive me? And the guy's just like, I, I guess, like, <laughs> thanks. And it's the most weird conversation that you probably will have. 
but it's important. You have to seek forgiveness from God, you have to seek restoration with God, and you have to seek restoration with other people. Because here's the problem with this. Please listen to this. Offense is, is the bait of Satan. John Bevere has a whole book on this. What a, what, what's a bait? A bait is a hook that usually goes either like for horses. It's usually in the nose. And people will actually attach things. You want to steer a horse? It's easy. That's how they, were, were, if they had a cow or a bull, whatever, they would steer things like that. Offense is Satan's hook in your nose. Sorry to bring this really crass example, but and every single time, you know, you come here, and if you have an offense to, towards somebody, he'll just steer in a different direction. Oh, they're right there. Hey. And like, you'll completely ignore them. You'll completely just ignore the whole situation because you have an offense. And Satan has you by the hooks, and he's steering you in every single direction because you're now willing to say, hey, we need to talk about this. Would you forgive me? Anytime you get offended, Satan has a bait. Uh, the, the, a bait is basically the food that goes on a hook, and then you take it in, and then the hook hooks you, and now you're, he's in control. I hope that in 2019 we understand this. Understand that we are broken. We have to seek forgiveness from God, and we have to seek forgiveness from other people if we've you know, done something. And if somebody's done something to you, that you forgive them. You have to let it go. Now, I know that's painful and it's really, it's really hard. And I've mentioned this before, even with my mom, like she had a really hard time forgiving. And I, I had to explain to her because Jesus, it, it, this is so insane to think about. When we pray, or you know, our Father who art in heaven, right? Like he says, forgive us as we forgive others. What you're saying is, God, forgive me in the same way as I'm forgiving others. And if you're not forgiving others, how are you supposed to Ask God for forgiveness. Think about this. Like, well, Slavik, it hurts. Of course it does. Jesus was on the cross, nails still piercing his hands and his feet, and he made a decision to forgive you and me. Did it hurt? He was on the cross. Can I make that more plain? He was on the cross, he was nailed to the cross, and he made a decision to forgive you. That's crazy. While people still spat in his face, he forgave you and me. Can you go to the cross and be like, yeah, Jesus, but you don't understand. Like, they posted a picture of me on Instagram, and the caption wasn't necessarily the most flattering one. Like, can you literally take your hurts and, and say, Jesus, you don't understand mine? Can you go to the cross? Now, of course, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but like, think about that. Like, you cannot take your hurts, your hurts in comparison to of course, I, I don't want to dismiss because I know there's hurts in here that go deeper than an Instagram post. Most of them are. What I'm trying to say is understand your hurts in light of what he's done for you. Don't forgive because they deserve it because usually they don't. Forgive because you've been forgiven. So that's the thing is understand that you're a miracle and the very fact that you're here and that you're alive, you're, that's the first point I'm trying to, to make you to understand that you should be thankful for that. The second point is that we are a mess and we need to seek repentance and we need to seek forgiveness and we need to forgive. And the third thing that I want to mention, um, I keep on forgetting to read the, the actual uh, 
verses by Ephesians 2 concerning second point says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience, of your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. So when you live in sin, the devil actually has a hook in your, your nose, right? Like he, he, he makes you obey him, right? It says, uh, obeying the devil, the commander of the power in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, all of us, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger like everyone else. What does that mean? That means that not only you have an enemy that's trying to control you, but you also have your flesh that tells you, tell you that forgiveness is very uncomfortable. Like to ask him for forgiveness and, and forgiving is uncomfortable. And what God is saying here is that all of us need forgiveness. If you are not going to a different church because they've hurt you, please understand that you've hurt some people too. This problem is not with one church. This problem is us. Every single one of us. You know, the very, the, the, the pornography that some of us watched, you know, created an industry for people to be exploited through sex slavery. All of us are part, part of that. Our disobedience when it comes to God causes the brokenness that we see all over the world. So going and, and moving, because this is what we do. We, we start to make resolutions and we realize they don't work. And we try to medicate ourselves through our cars and through our money, through our influence, through our social life. Who do you know? Who do you, through our social media. And when those things don't work, you get frustrated. And you try to do even more. And then you get even more frustrated. And then you start to take it on people around you. And everyone around you starts to bother you. And somebody's like, so are you still dating that girl? What do you want to know, bro? Why do you need to know my drama, bro? Like, why do you, why do you, where am I? Like, and you blow up on them. Why? Because you're frustrated and somebody touched on one of your insecurity. And then everything sort of is up for grabs. Everyone's just sort of like, it's a huge fight. I'm telling you is that if we understand this, that all of us are sinful. All of us are in need of forgiveness. I need forgiveness. And our leaders, they know. They know my weird moments and my really broken moments and the things that I say that I'm just like, well, that was dumb. Somebody's nodding here, I'm just saying. <laughs> right? Like, but all of us are in desperate need of this. And the third point I want to mention is that, yes, we, we, we are a miracle, we are broken, but we have a future. We have hope. And, and, and to, to know that we have hope is what keeps us going. If we know that we're a miracle, we're thankful. If we know that we are broken, we seek repentance. And if we have hope. Now, we sang that. And I'm going to ask our, our worship team, if you guys can, we're going to sing that song at the end again. It says, uh, this, this is a, the lyric, not right now, but in a few minutes here. Um, that lyric was actually written from Hebrews where it says, the hope that we have in Christ is an anchor for our soul. What's an anchor? It's the thing that people drop in a ship and it goes to the bottom right, and gets hooked into something. So the ship is not going whatever it wants to be. It's, it's anchored to the floor of the sea. So the hope that we have in Christ anchors us. Every single time your soul is like, you know what's going to make you happy? A new car. The hope you have in Christ says, nah, you don't need a car. I got you. You can find your satisfaction here. 
Now, there, again, there's nothing wrong with getting a new car. I just don't want you to find your hope in that. When your soul is like, oh, if I could just hang out with these people, the hope you have in Christ is like, nah, you're okay in me. Now, it's great to know those people, but the moment you start to put them on a pedestal, they become dumb idols. Not the people, but you know what I mean. So, so the mo- every single time your soul is sort of trying to do this and trying to like maneuver, you, you know your quirks. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I got to hang out with this. Oh, I got to buy this. Oh, I got to do this. Just because, you know... No, the hope that we have in Christ anchors us in Him. That's what keeps us anchored. Ephesians says this, 2.8 says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed in Him, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do all good things he, ha- he has planned for us long ago. This hope that we have in him holds us to the ground. We're able to do these things because we, are, we, we know who we, we are in him. So my hope, this, this going in 2019, is not that like, guys, you got to serve more. You guys got to do more resolutions. Now, if you made resolutions, that's totally fine. I'm just saying make sure that they're rooted in Christ. Make sure that your resolutions include the 21-day fast. Make sure your resolutions include like waking up and being thankful in the morning. Make sure your resolutions include you coming to the altar and repenting if you have to or if you want to. Make sure your resolutions include these things that actually bring you closer to Christ because ultimately once you define yourself in, in Him, you're no longer swayed by what people say about you. You're no longer swayed by the latest argument, the latest drama that's happening on Instagram or Facebook. Depends, Facebook no longer... Regardless, drama, right? So, so find yourself in him. And the last point um, that I'm going to mention, I'm going to play a video for you, and then I'm going to call it to prayer. But the last point that I want to mention is that you have to understand that you are accepted. And once you're accepted, once you encounter his grace, you will be able to extend his grace. That is, kind of goes also with what we just read in Ephesians 2, that God is so rich in mercy that he saved you, he gave you grace. Now, why is that important? Why that's important is because you cannot be a witness unless you encountered him first. Have you ever wondered, is God like maybe self-conscious? Like, why does he need all our worship? Is God some kind of like person that's like some kind of egomaniac that's like, oh, just just you guys just have to do this to me. Why do you think we worship him? Have you ever seriously thought about this? Now, I'm sure some of you guys have. But it's kind of like, a, like God, are you insecure like, about yourself? Like, why do you need us? God, I'm really trying not to blaspheme right now. But like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, why do you need us? Someone that's broken to worship you. Let me put it in a way that maybe we can kind of grab grasp our mind around think of titanic when he actually went down and people are drowning in the water i remember this particular scene where where there's this boat right little boat they're they're trying to save people a lot of people are just frozen some people are still alive and people yell like hey captain here with a boat is anybody alive and as this boat will go by 
Somebody would shout and they would save another person. We give glory to God because when we exalt Him, it gives Him an ability to move like nothing else. And He's able to save even more people. Worship is not so much for God. God doesn't need our worship. We do it because of ourselves, because when we exalt Him, we allow Him to move on our life and move in other people's lives. And God is able to save other people. So when you understand that you are accepted, then nothing else sways you. You know who you are in Christ. And what people say about you, it doesn't matter. But one more thing that it does is it makes you a witness. Now you, can, you are able to minister out of that. Grace has this amazing ability to change things, insane things. People that were murderers, like John Newton, that traded some 20,000 slaves. And then he kind of like wrote that song that you probably have heard about, you know, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. He was a murderer. I, I dare you to maybe part of your resolution is to watch Amazing Grace, the movie, and you'll know the story. I think if you lived in 2018, which I think most of you did, you have some regrets and you have some disappointments and you have some things that you wish you would have done differently. And my hope that you understand the grace that was extended to you, because once you start to embrace that grace that was given to you, you'll be able to extend it to other people. And God is not going to raise you up by the things that you do right or you do wrong. God is going to raise you up based on how, how close are you embracing his grace? I know it sounds kind of like out there. What does that even mean? What that means is saying, understanding what he's done for you and then acting according to that. How can you forgive others? Because you've for been forgiven everything. How can you love others? Because you've been loved like nothing else before, like no one before. And when, when we start to receive it from here, we start to give it out here. And as long as this is close, as long as we receive it from here, our relationships don't become transactions. I'm only going to love you if you love me back, and I'm only going to give you when you give. No, we can keep on loving people. We can keep on extending grace. We can keep on saying, I still care about you, even though of all the things you've said, it doesn't matter because my, my security is here, not out of here. So, so I'm going to ask, I'm not sure, can we get the worship? We can get the worship. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. And uh, I'm going to give you a few moments, and, and I'm going to ask you if, if you need some time to pray, um, to just join us up front. I'm not going to have anybody pray for you or anything like that. But as we go into that, and into that song where we sing that the hope that we have in Christ is the anchor for our soul, like, I just want you to think about 2018. If you have regrets, um, I, I really wish that, you guys are bold about this. Like, um, this is not you come to the altar, I'm going to pray for you. It's more about, like, let's come together and say, God, I, I want to bring to you anything that maybe I'm disappointed with or the regrets, the things that I wish I would have done differently. God, I know that my resolutions are not really working. They feel more like broken dreams. But God, I'm not defined by that. I want to find myself in you. So if God is leading you, I, I welcome you to just come pray here and we got to just get done with the song. I'll pray and we'll go into fellowship. But I hope this message spoke to you. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance and until next time, God bless you.